You want to find your tribe of raving fans, and that's just what we're here to help you do. This is the Tactical Titans podcast by Justin Lamb of the Tactical Program, where we help entrepreneurs build better businesses by not only sharing insights and candid conversations, but by nurturing our minds as well. Get ready to build, automate, and scale your business, because here we go. Here's your host, Chief Strategist of 360 Media and Educator at TacticalProgram.com, Justin Lamb. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Tactical Titans, where I help business owners build better businesses. And today, I am being joined by the one, the only, B. And we, we call him B because that's, you know, it's easier than trying to pronounce his full word, but B from CJAM Marketing. He's the founder. Uh, and and what is he? He is a business broker. He is a marketing broker for businesses. So uh, B, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me, Justin. I'm, I'm really happy to be here. Oh, awesome. So <clears throat> I'm sure a lot of people are just wondering, what is a, a marketing broker? And, and maybe we'll just get that right off you know, our chest right off the bat, you know, kind of tackle about where your journey came from, how you decided to become a broker and what does a broker do? Yeah, awesome. I mean, it's a great question. Um, I've always had that philosophy in life where you do a bunch of different things and then at some point they all intersect. And for me, it's the marketing broker business. Um, so I work at, at Telus also. Uh, I'm a customer solutions engineer, which is basically a sales engineer. I understand businesses at a certain level. I connect them to technology there. But when it comes to the marketing side, I use that same business skill set, understanding where a business is headed, what their visions are, what their goals are, and then tying them to the right marketing partners. Um, I kind of got into this uh, by accident. Uh, initially, I was doing the whole agency thing where I would get a customer, you know, I'd build the websites, I'd do Google ads, I'd work on SEO and realize I don't have enough time to do a lot of it. And as I kind of got through it, I started seeing, well, maybe I can find the right partners to help offload some of this stuff. And as I went through that journey, I started noticing two things. Businesses don't understand marketing very well. So when they're vetting their own agencies, they don't really know what questions to ask and how deep to go. And on the other side, marketing agencies don't understand businesses very well in terms of aligning the marketing strategies to the business goals. And so I kind of like shifted into this marketing broker role where I understand both sides and I kind of bridge that gap. Yeah, and this is sort of where you and I kind of came uh, to to meet, actually. Um, you know, 360 as as the production company, and then of course me doing the business coaching with Tactical. Uh, you know, I bridge both because the production agency works in the marketing uh, arena, and then coaching, of course, works in the business arena. And my love uh, for systems is just tremendous. So you know, I got to bridge both, and it was really great because when we connected, you know, we we both found ourselves in a very similar position, uh, sort of two different ways about it. And so it's really quite interesting that you know you decided not to go into just the agency role, and you found that that was uh, difficult to manage in time and and to expand. Um, but also uh, on the flip side of it is you know you're you're taking your expertise and now helping broker the the relationships. Now, when we talk about brokering the relationships, what does that look like? And, you know, I'm sure people are going to wonder, well, you know, who gets paid and how do they get paid and, you know, what goes on? And so, you know, for the sake of transparency, and of course, for people to understand your business model, I think that might be a great idea to maybe just kind of dive into a little bit. Of course. Yeah. Um, so when it comes to the broker relationship, um, first off, I, I typically consult with uh, businesses at no charge, right? 
definitely want to understand your business, where it's headed. And I, a lot of the times I give a lot of value and a lot of feedback just in that initial meeting, even if you might not fit kind of what my agencies might be able to do for you. Um, traditionally, I don't charge anything because agencies already have uh, a referral fee that they, they've built out. And so I basically take the referral fee that the agencies were going to give any person that would have done a sale, for example. Um, recently though, as I'm getting bigger and bigger customers, um, it's taken me, you know, three to five hours sometimes to kind of go through different marketing strategies with the agencies, make sure that they have the right, you know, portfolio, the right examples. Um, so in certain situations, I would say 80 to 90% of the time, I don't charge anything. I get the money on the marketing, uh, agency side, 10% of the time when it's a a much bigger thing, like a marketing strategy that could be between the 10 and $30,000 range a month. I got to do a little bit more legwork. So I typically charge around 250 for just doing that work, which most agencies are, I've only ever had one customer say no. Uh, and they were smaller. Every other customer's like, you're going to do all the work for me and give me one email so that I just meet, you know, two agencies rather than having to meet 15 and they're okay with it. Yeah. And so, you know, it's really important, I think, you know, for, for the sake of transparency and clarity to, to people, when we're brokering, if somebody's helping you broker that, uh, they're helping you foster a relationship. And, you know, I know that one of those underlying questions that it's sort of in the back of the head, and it's not that because they, they distrust you, but there's this weird, like, you know, like negativity bias with people, right? So they're going to go, well, how do I know that, you know, unlike financial planners or, or you know, advisors at one point, uh, you're going to put me into a vehicle that just pays you the highest commission. Um, yeah. and, and, and it's a valid concern, right? So, you know, talk to me about your philosophy, how you approach that relationship uh, and how you decide, you know, which agencies work with uh, which customers. Yeah, hundred um, percent. The agencies that I work with, they're all, I'm getting the same referral free across the board with all of them, but one. And that one is just a little bit less, but it's on much, much bigger deals. But I think we spoke about it before. I mean, I have a full-time job. This isn't a money thing for me. Uh, I actually get way more satisfaction of finding the business, matching them with the right partner. And, the, and when I do that correctly, people stay with that partner for a long time. Like that's the ultimate goal is like everyone needs to be benefiting from this, from the customer to my agency, to myself. And so um, I have had it, my agency say, I, I haven't seen models where it's like a win, win, win across the board all the way. Um, and I, I pride myself in that because at the end of the day, I don't feel good if I connect a business with a marketing partner and they don't succeed, right? Like I, I will look into those types of things and be like, well, what was missing? Was it on the agency side? Was it on the customer side? Was there, you know, communication errors? Um, cause at the end, I want to have the best possible list of partners whenever I'm matching with businesses. Yeah, absolutely true. I think, uh, when we're working in that type of arena where we're, you know, in a sense, cross-referring to people that we're trusting partners. You know, a win-win relationship often isn't uh, uh, truly viable. I think a lot of people uh, either are either really greedy and don't see that, uh, or or have this weird, you know, hesitancy to commit to something fully uh, because they don't feel like you know that it's going to be a win-win. They maybe have a little little distrust about it. But I think it's really important uh, to note that you know just because you as a consumer, you feel like that there might be something sly or, or whatever behind the scenes. Uh, I, I know B, uh, I've, I've met him, we've talked quite a bit and, and he and I share very similar values. We're really out to make an impact for our clients, right? And we're really trying to uh, broker, connect, uh, you know, whatever, uh, link up the right people because ultimately it is our reputation, 
it is 100%. our our reputation that we're recommending you to somebody. And if that person does a shitty job, well, we're not going to go very far. We're not going to have a really good, you know, name on the street, so to speak, right? Yeah. So I think it's really important. But I, you know, obviously wanted to clarify that for people who might be uh, curious about what that looks like. Today, though, I want to talk a little bit about, you know, that brokering process in a very interesting time of a year. And and that is the Christmas season's coming up, right? Okay. So those people are groaning in their cars. You can stop groaning. Christmas is around the corner. And just after your Remembrance Day, uh, Costco is going to be putting up the decorations left, right, and center. But the more important thing is, is if you are a small business owner uh, and you have a tight budget and you don't know what to do when it comes Christmas time, uh, B and I are going to talk here a, a little bit about what you can do to prepare for the holiday season from a marketing standpoint. So B, tell tell the people, you know, how far in advance do they really need to start to get their shit together uh, and, and to start that process, whether it's with by themselves or with a broker, uh, to, to get that process started for the holiday season? Yeah, it, it's a great question. Um, and one that goes many, many layers. Um, I mean, when you ask the question of when should I start, I mean, it should have been as soon as possible. Like if, if you were to start, as I said, last year uh, is when you should have been starting um, any kind of thought around marketing, right? Um, a lot of the times I see small businesses look for the silver bullet, right? They go, oh, you know, Facebook ads is doing tremendous for this other company and I need to use that for my own company and I haven't done it. And then, you know, I got two months before Christmas, uh, let's get it up and running. What a lot of businesses don't kind of see is that there is a massive testing period, right? Like you can't just have a silver bullet. You have to actually look at, okay, well, you know, Facebook ads takes time to target the customers, retarget them, find out who actually wants um, to be a part of your you know, community. At the end of the day, you're basically building a community. And a lot of the times when we're looking at that silver bullet analogy, we miss the fact that marketing is, is, should be looked at 360, right? It's not just, you know, okay, well, if you have someone coming in from a Facebook ad and they're coming to your website, how are you converting on your website? What is your conversion rate? Have you put any time and effort into seeing, you know, our customers getting what they want when they're coming onto that product page? Why are they leaving? Are you getting reviews? Are you building that trust? And a lot of the times we think about, okay, we need to drive traffic, but a lot, but once we get to the actual page, we need to actually start thinking a little bit deeper and seeing what kind of goals we're trying to establish. One obviously is trust. The other is sometimes, you know, grabbing emails because with customers, you can't just sell them right away. People want to see your brand. They want to feel like what it's like. They want to know the story. Sometimes it takes a little bit of a, a slower burn. Um, so my recommendation is, well, if you have nothing today, Yes, you can try to do some of the silver bullet tactics, whether it's Facebook ads, whether it's, you know, building out your email list and start creating flows, um, you know, any type of platform to get people onto your website. But if you're trying to think about it more holistically, you need to start thinking about how all these pieces play together. And so um, that'd be my recommendation is think about a bit of the long term of where you want to be in a year. Do the short term stuff to get capital. Um, but also know that there's going to be a migration. So if I, for example, match you with someone that can do Facebook ads really well, they might not be able to do um, the marketing 360 stuff. So you might actually have two agencies working on your project in parallel. And so that's kind of a, a, a high level view of how to kind of think about this a bit. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, for a small business owner, you know, they often feel like you know, they're spending tons of money. And 
you know, at, at a $2,500 spend a month on a Facebook ad, that, that'll evaporate. I mean, you know, very fast. Truth be told, when you talk about testing, I mean, it's not just testing for your demographics, not just testing for, you know, the, the uh, click-through rates, um, the conversion rates, you know, you're still A-B testing the ad specs and the marketing messaging. And what people don't see is how much lead time that, that takes away from you. You, you can't do that two months uh, before your Christmas holiday and expect it to work by the time, you know, they're really needing to buy. And especially if you're shipping items, right? If you're shipping items, uh, and, and now in a COVID world, that's that's what's happening. Everybody has to ship their items, not not really coming into your stores as often as possible as, as they used to. You have to factor that in too, because I mean, you know, now your sales have got to be in what, by December 6th, maybe December, December 10th at, at the latest before, you know, stores can't even make it, uh, you know, to you for Christmas. Yeah, 100%. And, and to add to kind of what you're saying right there is, uh, even when it comes down to like your A-B test on your website, like we, I work with specific agencies that just do conversion rate optimization. Like their sole purpose is to increase the fact of you getting a conversion when someone comes onto your website. And they tell me beta, like a website needs 10,000 to 15,000 people at a minimum for us to be able to run two-week tests. And these two-week tests are like little changes on the website. And for you to get a certain confidence period or uh, uh, rate of, okay, after running this two-week test between these two things, this thing has a 1% higher conversion rate, you know, whether we, you know, change the number, or made it in red or removed a certain uh, button that was, you know, taking away from the main call of action. That takes time, right? And then as you were saying, like if Christmas is coming up in December, you don't have many tests you can run before then to make sure that you're optimizing on the traffic that's coming to your website. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. absolutely. And- you know, when, when I work with small business owners, when we do the build module, we're talking about, you know, how do we build those layers uh, and, and have that holistic point of view? You know, not just from a digital end, right? I mean, you know, technology is great. Uh, but in the physical world, where we are delivering our product and services, you know, we need to also include that into that marketing scheme. And if you're sending flyers, it's the same problem if you are trying to get people to your website and your website isn't converting uh, or your website isn't giving the person what it needs. And the important part about building a system is that the system needs to work. It doesn't mean that you just have a website and somebody's going to contact you and you're you know, crossing your fingers for, you know, ho- hoping uh, that somebody gets to that finish line. Yeah. And it's so important that, you know, you look at it not only from an attraction standpoint, but through that whole sales cycle especially now where everybody is really spending a lot of time in that digital medium, you don't have the opportunity to be in front of them physically to help, you know, navigate that sale, to help overcome those objections, to watch the body language and shifting as you're talking to them. You don't have that. These people are thumbing through your website and your email newsletter or your YouTube or your Instagram and they're making decisions on the fly. And if you're not addressing it, they're just going to go to the next person. Yep. hundred percent. And it, and a lot of it is you need to like really establish yourself. Like there's so many people sending out emails, there's ads, like we are distracted all the time. And so how do you make something stand out is the other aspect of it. And so a lot of, you know, small businesses kind of do marketing on the side of their desk. Like, you know, they might have, you know, three to five employees, one person's doing, you know, multiple things and marketing is one of the things that sits underneath it. And I, and I find that to be 
man, when you start making some money, like the first, like I'll tell you from myself, cause I'm, I'm a small business owner, right? Like my business is a small business. Um, I don't plan on scaling and plan on making it huge, but you, you know, my thing, I want to kind of get to a point where I can work on other things and kind of have my business running in like a automated type fashion. But when it came down to it, like as soon as my business started making money, I started investing into my website. Like I, like recently I got the grant and I think this is useful for people to know of, Hey, how does a marketing broker actually use that grant money? And I'm spending over half of my money just on search engine optimization. Cause my goal is, listen, I can put money into Google ads or Facebook ads, and that will give me, you know, rented space for a short period of time. But with SEO, if I build my foundation up, I'll be able to continuously build leads over time without, you know, uh, worrying about the short term, right? So I have more of a long-term play. And as your SEO gets better, now I'll start actually putting some more money into like Google ads and Facebook ads, because one, a part of SEO is the conversion rate, is making sure that when people come onto your webpage, they're interested, they're going deeper, they're learning more. And when you have that built out, your ads cost less, which a lot of people don't know either, right? So um, typically with Google ads, the more relevant your page is, the more engaging it is, because Google's tracking all these measurements. When your website is foundationally good, you have solid SEO, you pay less for your ads down the road, which means come next Christmas time, you're spending less money on ads than your competitor, which means you're going to have more profit, which means you're going to be able to reinvest into marketing more than your partner can. And now it becomes a cycle. Yeah. And marketing is a long-term haul. I mean, in in the work that I do, I I refer to it as the gatekeeper. It's the dam uh, that that you need to keep closed uh, or you need to open when the time is right. And if you open it too wide and you're not ready for it as a business, you can literally tank and put a crack into that marketing because bad reviews, uh, bad experiences uh, can can decimate a, a business in no time flat in today's environment. Uh, so, you know, as much as everybody wants to see a ton of traffic come through their website, a ton of people try to close and convert, uh, you need to be careful that there's a double-edged sword to that. Yes, we do want people in there, but not at the expense of the quality of work that we're doing, because that ultimately is going to be the, the dagger that kills you. Yeah. And so, you know, when we're opening up, we're talking about, you know, you can you can throttle the the flow through from those websites, you know, in your marketing. You can turn on and off marketing campaigns, um, you know, as your, your schedule's you know, fit as your inventory is there. Uh, but if you don't do it right and you just have people come in through the door uh, and they have a really bad experience, well, you know, you, you really ruined a really great chance. And I don't know about you, but I view business as a long-term game. Uh, and, and there's either you either play until you run out of resources or somebody comes and exceeds you in, in the thing. So what that means is that it's, it's, it's infinite. You, you're going to continually research you're going to adapt you're going to put out new marketing material you're going to have to change as soon as somebody figures out that you did something really great they're going to want to copy so you're going to have to go to the the drawing board again and and reinvent yourself and re you know do those hook points and redo some of those things and ab tests so you know i don't think people need to think of it as short sprints of i must get a piece of marketing done for the christmas holiday but instead have an even keel flow with a good set of timelines with the right contractors in place <clears throat> so that they can manage an agenda without having to you know, panic when time comes. Yeah, you made so many fantastic points there. 
and so well well said. Um, and I hundred percent agree. I, have you ever heard, I mean, I'm sure you have, um, but the difference between like technical and adaptive problems. No, have you heard that terminology. That. So uh, I learned this at the business school of solder. Uh, it's something that actually really resonated with me and pretty much every aspect of life. And it really applies in business quite well as well. Um, but basically when you think about a technical problem, let's just say, you know, your faucet is leaking. I go, I can figure that out. My wife can come over and she can figure it out. And the plumber comes over and he'll say, yeah, you guys, your faucet is linking and he will have a fix for it, right? He'll say, you know, I have to either change this, this hose or I have to do something. And all of a sudden the problem's solved, right? So technical solutions can be seen by everyone. And it's usually has, you know, a solution to it. When it comes to adaptive problems, these are problems that don't have any set solution. So a lot of the big things that we're dealing with in the world now, you know, environmental change, um, you know, gender uh, inequality, all those types of things, even business are adaptable changes because we can move them in either a positive or a negative direction over time. No one person can solve the problem. It has to be done by a group of people across many different disciplines. Um, but all we can possibly do is try to move it into a positive direction. So when I think about my business, I think about it as an adaptive problem. My business here is here to help people and I have to shift. And so based on what my goals are, I know that I will have to shift and adapt as time goes on. Does my marketing need to change? Does my pitch need to change? Do I need to add more people? Do I need to take away people? Um, it's always, in a, and it's exciting because it allows you to test. That's the core of marketing. Um, and I think where a lot of businesses miss the mark um, and where, you know, my marketing agencies are really good at, um, you know, setting expectations up front saying, look, marketing is an adaptive problem as well. And so we need to test. We need to try new things. We need to do different images. We need to work with our content uh, in a different way. What's going to, um, you know, work better with our audience. Um, we have to be open to, there's going to be certain things in marketing that are going to work, 80% of them, but we should always leave 20% open to try new things. Um, and I thought that would that'd be something useful to kind of um, think about. Yeah, no, it's, it's totally true. I mean, marketing is so vast and there's no one size fits all. Uh, you know, whether it is running a podcast, whether it's working on Instagram, Facebook, SEO, there's a tool for everything, but everything needs to align with you as a business owner uh, and as the business uh, itself, you know, whatever entity that you have, whether it's e-com or it is a service-based uh, uh, product or a service-based um, uh, business, it is really important that you don't get sidetracked by the shiny object syndrome, right? Just because it works for somebody doesn't mean it works for you. Uh, there, there are a lot of other things that you know, need to come into play. It's like a calculus equation. Uh, but instead, I think as a small business owner, if you don't have the capital outlay to go and hire an agency, you yourself can do a lot of very, very easy things uh, to help right the ship and get yourself into the right direction so that when the time comes and you're starting to generate revenue, that you can allocate some of that time and money that you're spending uh, to an agency to take over from you. And I actually, personally, uh, and, and, and I'd love to hear your thoughts. I personally feel that uh, small business owners, as they start out, uh, should not outsource their marketing directly right off the bat um, for a couple of reasons. One, because I feel like you don't 
likely know what you need to do to market in the first place. You don't know how to sell it uh, properly from a marketing standpoint. And then you're going to give it to somebody who has zero clue about it. Uh, and they're going to be trying to fly by the seat of their pants, trying to catch up to what you have an expectation of, but not be able to catch up in time. And, you know, the two, three months go by and, you know, nobody's happy because you have an expectation that they were going to pick it up like this. And they had an expectation that you knew what you wanted to have. And, you know, you could tell them what you needed to have done. But because the two didn't match and didn't line up, nobody's happy and nobody does the best work. And, you know, at the end of the day, somebody goes, oh, this marketing stuff doesn't work. But it isn't true, is it? No. So you hit the nail on the head. Uh, I've had so many conversations with business owners where they'll say, well, I want someone to do my website and then I want to do Facebook and I want to do Google ads and I want to do all this stuff. And I go, well, okay, have you done it before? Like, where are you at now? What kind of budget do you have? And a lot of times the, like the budget's not there. And so my response back is, look, you need to start out smaller. Like whether you need to go build like on a Wix or Squarespace website initially just to get something up and running for the first six months, then after you start making some money, then reinvest into your website and then build it, you know, like on a WordPress platform or something that's more SEO friendly. But a lot of the times, if you're starting out your first business and it's your first run through, you know, there are tons of courses online that will teach you how to do Facebook ads, uh, teach you how to do Google ads. And yes, you might spend, you know, a thousand, two thousand dollars learning, but you're going to save a lot of money down the road when you're about to pick up another agency. And you're going to know even better when an agency says, hey, I need to do this strategy or I need to do it this way. It's not like you don't understand because you, you'll say, you know, I've done it. I knew how I was supposed to do it. I knew I couldn't do it. And now that you're saying to do it this way, I, I will, I'm on board. And so you're no longer looking for that quick fix. You know that it's going to take six months to a year or a year and a half to really dial things in. Um, a lot of mistakes I see even in medium-sized businesses right now is that, like, like I said, they're looking for that silver bullet. They don't truly understand marketing. So they try to do one thing at a time and never go, how do I bring this all together holistically? Because doing just like a Facebook ads or a Google ads, that'll take you up linearly, right? You put a certain amount of money in, you're going to get, you know, three to five times your money back um, when you're doing things really, really well. Um, but how to increase or grow a company exponentially is when all of these things play together from the Facebook to the website, to the email marketing, to uh, maybe the Facebook group that you've built so that you have like a niche customer base that you can reach out to with new products and get feedback so that you can then build that into your copy to your website. And now you've created an ecosystem, right? Yeah. And an ecosystem is exactly it. You know, when we talk about building a system, you're, Everybody tries to build a one-size-fits-all system. Like, you know, everything I'm going to market my website and put everything I, I, I do, absolutely everything, like, like throw it at, at the, throw the spaghetti at the wall yeah. or at the fridge and see what sticks. But the problem with that is, you know, a person who stands up and yells at everybody really attracts the attention of nobody. And, you know, the problem with that is, is people aren't rolling up their sleeves and taking the actual time that they need to really dissect each product or service, how each product or service plays to their ideal market and demographics, and then layering them on each other so that it looks like this big complex piece, but they're actually not. They're just linear fragments of, of what you need to do for each product or service. From an outside's, outsider's perspective, they're looking at it and go, holy cow, you have this monster marketing thing, but it isn't. It's 
H1 is linear. You strip all all of it away. Yes, it, it, it looks impressive when it's all together. It's like a, you know, if it's like when we have a strand, a, a thread, it doesn't seem very much when we have one one single product service, you know, working fully functional. But when you have, you know, hundreds of products and services, you know, and they're, you know, linking and they're building upon each other and linking, that one little thread all of a sudden becomes this rope and it's hard to break the rope. And people look at it and goes, wow, this rope is really strong, you know, and it feels really great. But each rope is only made of small little strands. And that's the way we should look at our marketing is don't look at it as the big rope. Look at it as little strands that eventually come together as the big rope. Yeah. And and it could take five years, eight years, 10 years to get to that, that rope, right? Um, I'm going to take an analogy from one of my marketing agencies, and, and they do this in their presentation all the time. And it's this tennis ball analogy. And they say, look, you have all these tennis balls and say your business has all these products. And so if I came and I threw out, you know, hey, Beta works with different marketing agencies. He also does CRO. He also does email. He also does, you know, and I throw all these balls to you, Justin, you're probably going to catch three of them because you're a pretty athletic guy, you know, in pretty good coordination. And then you'll go tell someone else and you'll throw those three balls to them and they might catch two. And then they'll throw they, those two balls and, and throw one. And then the end of the day, everyone's holding a different tennis ball. Everyone's holding a different message. And for me, like you have to bring that all together into one giant tennis ball, and then you can create your giant tennis balls in your product categories. So for me, when I, when people ask me, what do I do? I connect businesses to the right marketing partners. That's my message. Almost everywhere I start to introduce myself, that's what I introduce myself with. So that when Justin goes and says, what does beta do? He connects businesses with the right marketing partners. And then when people go to my website, then I've created the big tennis balls for the different services. And so when you go to my email, you'll see that like that one line of what do I do in email? I connect you to the right partners in the email marketing business, right? Like, um, so people have to think about what is your overlying message that you want everyone to take? And a lot of the times people will do, or business will take that and do something super generic, but it has to be true to you. And it has to be something that you do better than everyone else. And once you have that message, that's when you can start passing that around. It'll go through all your communication. It'll go through all your ads and really create this like force um, of people knowing who you are and what you do. Yeah, no, it's uh, that. That's exactly. Yeah, I think you know what you just said. There is so it seems so simple, right? I think you know people when they hear it, and they've probably heard it a hundred times. Probably listened on podcasts, read it in books, but it's really about the execution. It's yeah you know, thinking about it and stewing over it and, you know, coming up with the perfect uh, pitch or the perfect tagline doesn't, doesn't just happen. Like you have to test it. You have to put it to market. You have to throw it out there and you have to lick your wounds when it doesn't work. And that's what marketing is. Marketing isn't a, a one hit wonder. And when it is a one hit wonder for whatever reason it is, uh, don't rest on your laurels because it'll soon be yesterday's news and you're going to have to reinvent again and again and again. It, it is never ending. And yep. that's the beauty, beauty of it, right? Like, you know, that's the, the reason why you can try all sorts of different agencies, all sorts of different voices, different technologies, uh, different methodologies. And, you know, each one can have magic for you, but there will always be uh, a limited life 
cycle to it before you have to go back to the drawing board. And it's so important that, you know, we understand who we are, because if we understand who we are as a core, we're now then able to go back and rejig, re-wordsmith, uh, re, you know, design what our marketing needs to be uh, in each iteration, in each industry trend, in each, you know, turn of, of the marketing cycle. Yeah. Well, very well said. So what I wanted to ask you is when I ask everybody at the end of my podcast is what is a book or resource that has deeply impacted your career? Um, I, I read a lot, as you know, I have a, a goal to read five books in, I uh, know 60 books in five years. Um, and I'm about, you know, 42, 43 into that. Um, one of the books that I've read recently that's impacted me and, and totally shifted so many different perspectives for me is the book called The Courage to be Disliked. Mm -hmm. um, I should look up the author. Uh, but uh, at the end of the day, what I learned from that book was just how much control I have of the present. And so it's the, for a quick recap so that people kind of see if this book is for them. Everyone knows about Freud's, you know, philosophy, where it's, you know, the past events um, make you who you are today. Adler was uh, kind of someone that's in parallel to Freud, but he talks about how you choose based on what's happened to you in the past, what you want to do today. And that type of thinking is, is shifts you from someone who is more passive to someone who can be more active. And you can have way more control about how you think about things to get what you want. Um, so there's tons of tips there that helps you with business, with parenting, uh, and it's written in a way that it's done through a dialogue between, you know, a young adult and a philosopher talking about how life can be pretty easy. Um, and here's how you do it. And it's just like an argument back and forth. And I love it. No, it's a really great book. Um, you know, I, I managed to go through it over the, the last month or so. Um, when, when we were been sort of waiting for our child to arrive. Uh, and then it's funny because uh, that ended up springing me off into a new book. And, and I'll share that one with you if, in case you haven't read it, but Victor Frankl's book, um, you know, the, the search for meaning. And, and that was a really great book because he is the third philosopher uh, in that, in that sort of, um, in the sort of, realm of, of Sigmund Freud, um, Adler, and, and then uh, Viktor Frankl also introduces logger therapy into that mix. Uh, and it goes a slightly layer deeper than what I believe Adlerian goes through. Nice. Uh, and when you strip away absolutely everything from a person, uh, because he shares his, uh, his journey and, and trials and tribulations as he was a Holocaust survivor, uh, but a psychotherapist by trade before uh, having to, to go through such a horrendous event. And, and his book is actually quite gripping. Uh, it actually just kind of goes through the story. And then it isn't until the end before you realize that he is teaching you uh, the, the psychological aspect of, you know, what happens when you have everything taken away from you and what is left and what is the final message. So really great book. If you're, if you're interested in, in reading, that I've book. read that book, I just need to reread it because yeah. uh, it was very impactful when I read it the first time as well. Yeah. I was so shocked. Uh, so, but I mean, the, the courage to be disliked is also a very, very good book. And actually I believe, I think you uh, put me onto that book. Um, I think a few people actually recommended it to me, but I think it was after our last discussion, um, not on this podcast that, you know, I went to go check that out and it, it was a really great book. To well, I'm glad. I'm glad you liked it. Awesome. So if people wanted to connect with you, how are they going to get to do so? Um, I mean, you can go to www.cjammarketing.com or my email is b, my last name, jamshidi at cjammarketing.com. 
um, you can find my information online. If you look for Beta Jamshidi, I'll, I'll come up in, in different places. Awesome. And of course, uh, everybody, you guys can find that in the description uh, where you are listening to this podcast. And uh, I'm going to have those links up for you as well. But B, thanks so much for joining me today. It was really great to chat with you, Jam, about uh, a little bit of marketing. And uh, um, and if you people are listening, you know, if you want B back on the show and you want to talk us, uh, have us talk about another uh, topic, please let us know. You know, reach out to us on social. Awesome. Thanks, Justin, for having me. No problems. Thank you. Everybody have a great week and we'll talk to you next week. We want to thank you for listening to the Tactical Titans podcast produced by 360 Media. Your time is valuable and we're deeply humbled that you are spending this time with us. We'd love to connect with you. Find us on Instagram at 360 Photo and at Tactical Program. You can also email us. We want to make this channel great, something you enjoy and find tons of value. Send us your insights to info at 360photo.com. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe. It helps us reach more listeners. As always, tune in next week as we help you become titans of business and marketing.